welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 12th of January 2014, entitled Effective Christianity Part 2, and the barbering is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you weren't here this morning, you'll have to go online and download it and catch up because uh, uh, we... I had to split this one because you wouldn't let me preach that long at one time, but uh, uh, we did uh, the first couple of points this morning and hope to, to give you a few more this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, I invite you to stand with us to honor the reading of God's holy word beginning in verse 13. Word of God says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. Father, we do thank you again for the time that we can have together this evening. And Lord, we pray that you take this next time now by the power of your spirit. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts that which you would have spoken here tonight. We pray that you would meet the needs of each one. We pray that we would be receptive and responsive to that which you have for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. We said last uh, Sunday that uh, we looked at the thoughts Sunday morning and Sunday evening, and of course the uh, the title of the uh, the sermons were "Are You in Your Right Mind?" Uh, the real uh, point, the focus of uh, both morning and evening, uh, was that uh, as we go into a new year, there's going to be all kinds of things to discourage you, all kind of things to make you want to throw up uh, your hands and just give up, uh, all kind of things that. Uh, uh, that I guess will come your way that are going to be a real, real tough struggle and whatnot. But we find in God's Word that we can be encouraged in Jesus Christ. And we looked at uh, some of those things last week of how that uh, you can go right on and just uh, uh, not have any of that joy and happiness if you want to. But if you look to the Lord, uh, the happiness that He gives you is not based upon uh, circumstances and the things that, uh, that go on around you. And my hope for you in the coming year truly is not just a slogan of words saying Happy New Year, but you truly have a Happy New Year in the Lord Jesus Christ. So last week was on encouragement, and today, uh, carrying on from that, if you would, our thought is on effectiveness. Uh, encouragement last week and effectiveness this week because it's very important, and I don't have time to go back to the things that we covered this morning, but it's very important to realize that, you know, if you are a Christian, you can't become any more of a Christian. Uh, it is impossible for God to love you any more than he does. It's impossible for God to love you any less than he does. Uh, God loves you with a perfect love. And so the things that we're talking about is not these writings. The Apostle Paul has just written this whole letter of what we call 1 Corinthians because it was his first letter to the church at Corinth that's recorded for us in God's Word, and he's had to cover a lot of things. There were a lot of error. There was a lot of problems. There was all kind of divisions. I mean, this church was in a mess. And so he's come through all these things, and he's tried to help them to, to be able to deal with those things. He's covered so many uh, doctrinal issues and all of that, and then he comes down to the close here, if you would, and and he comes back and, you know, how does he bring this around? Because really, when everything that we look that he's written to this church, you know, he's wanting this church. You know, it's, it's amazing that with all the faults and all the problems that were there, they never quit being a church 
Uh, they just weren't the church that God wanted them to be. Uh, we're talking about born-again people. Uh, you see, when, when, when someone is saved, you're saved. You can't be part saved. You can't get more saved. You're either saved or you're lost. And, and this is being written to those that have been born again, that know that they belong to the Lord. But what do you do with all this? Uh, I mean, he, the Bible doesn't give us all of these principles and practices and doctrines and all these things that we have just so we can be smarter and show it off to somebody. He gives it to us that it'll affect our lives and the way that we live. Now, I say that, and, and again, there's much you can go back and you listen to it. The, the truth is you've got a choice. You know, if you're a child of God, uh, you are a child of God for eternity. And if you're here this evening and you're a Christian, then you can go right through this new year and you can just be a Christian uh, knowing that you're saved, knowing that you're on your way to heaven and headed for that goal one day whenever the Lord comes to get you. But what the Apostle Paul is trying to do with these Christians and with this church is not tell them how they can be a Christian, but how they can be an effective Christian, how they can be a Christian that will make a difference, how they can be more than just somebody that's, uh, uh, that's got their fire insurance and they know that they're missing hell and they know that they're on their way to heaven and they're just waiting it out. But how can your life make a difference? And you see, you can make a choice. And, and I said, just like with God, you know, I'm going to love you regardless. Uh, I'm going to love you, and I'm not going to love you more or less because of uh, what you do and what you don't do. But this will make a big difference in your life. And so we said, okay, what is he wanting them to do? And he gives them uh, five directives here in these two verses. This is his closing comment, if you would. This is how he's, he's wrapping up all these things that he's taught to them of what to do with it. And we looked at the first one this morning, and it says there in verse 13, watch ye. The first, the first thing that he is giving them, and I said, these are all in the imperative modes. These are not things, well, you can do this or not. No, this is things, if you want to be an effective Christian, then these are imperative in your life. Uh, these are things that, uh, that, you, that you must do. The first one is to be alert, to be alert. That word watch you there, I mean, to, to wake and to arouse, to be awake, to be alert. And we looked at how that what do we need to be alert for? And we looked at a number of things there. First of all, we need to be alert and watching for the coming of the Lord. If we really believe that he might come back tonight, that he's coming back, that his return is imminent, it'll change our lives. It'll make us live different. I'll guarantee you, if you believed in your heart with everything that Jesus Christ was coming back to this earth and tomorrow was the last day that you had before his return, your day tomorrow would be different than if you just go into it knowing this head knowledge that, yeah, you know he's coming back one day, but to really, really expect him now, to expect him at any time, we looked at a number of things. Be alert for the coming of the Lord. Be alert for carnality in the world and the flesh and all those things. And we looked at many passages there. The world will tear you down. It can pull anybody down. We looked at some illustrations. To be aware of the cunningness of the devil. He's out to make your life as bad as he can, to destroy you, to take away your joy, to make you completely ineffective rather than effective as a Christian. Be alert. The second one we looked at this morning he says there, stand fast in the faith. Not only do you need to be alert, but you need to be anchored. That word there, when he says stand fast in the faith, is talking about something that is staked out firmly. It means to persevere, to persist, to keep one standing. You're standing there and you're going to stand there. The faith is the same one that we've been focusing on in, in contending for the faith for the last few years in, in Jude, contending for the faith that was once for all delivered. It begins with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the 
that's the, the, the imperative in everybody's life. But once we've got the gospel, then we find that there are many other things in God's Word. The Christian faith, it begins with the gospel. Nothing else matters without that. But then he gives us all of his truth. And so we need to, we need to be alert. But while we're alert, while we're looking around, we also need to be anchored in the gospel and in God's Word, in those truths. Many of the things that the Apostle Paul had taught them, they need to be anchored in those things. But I want to go on the third one here this evening, and I want to show you. He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. And notice the next four words, quit you like men. When was the last time you said that? When was the last time you looked at somebody and said, quit you like men? You know, it's not a term that we may use every day now, uh, but if you would, if you want to be an effective Christian, then there's some imperatives that must be there for you to be effective. You need to be alert. You need to be anchored. But may I say to you as a Christian, you need to be audacious. What do you mean to be audacious? Well, the simple, the word audacious means to be brave. Uh, and that's exactly what to quit you like men, it means literally to make a man or to make brave, to show oneself as a man, uh, to show somebody that, uh, uh, that, that, that you're brave. You know, grow up and be a man type thing that uh, uh, we might use those terminologies. And that's exactly what it means here. To be audacious is to be brave. And that's precisely what he's saying to us here. Quit you like men. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 1 says, the wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion, he says. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, he says, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have Boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. That's, that's a pretty audacious statement in itself. You know, so as he is, so are we in this world. When does a person need to stand up and be a man? No offense, ladies. Stand up and be a woman. Amen. <laughs> When does somebody need to be brave, whatever that your sexuality might be? Well, by sheer definition, to be brave about something means that you've got to show courage. Matter of fact, it's interesting because I, I looked up just out of curiosity, uh, and if you, if you look these words up in the, the dictionary, what you'll find, if you try to look up brave, it talks about somebody that's got courage. If you look up courage, it talks about somebody that's going to be brave, and they, they, they use each other to, to, to describe each other Courage is only needed when there's something to fear. When do you need courage? You don't need courage if you're not afraid of something, if you're not nervous about it, if there's nothing to worry about. You don't need courage. It's easy to go ahead and do it. When you need courage, when you need to be brave, it's when there's something that you're facing that you somehow that you're, you're afraid of, you're nervous of what's there, some kind of danger of some type is possibly present. How can we be brave in the face of danger? And as we said this morning, we're talking, of course, about spiritual matters here. Well, the words fear not or be not afraid, they're recorded over 100 times in your Bible. Fear not or be not afraid. May I say that you don't separate any of these things. 
When you're alert, you've got to be anchored. But when you're anchored in God's words, you're anchored in the gospel foremost, yes. But you're anchored in all of his promises and all of his principles, everything that God says to you, they're all there for you. You're anchored in those things. You can be brave because God's the one that tells you not to be afraid. God's the one that says, fear not. Plus, there's a lot of other places that we're told things like not to worry, not to be anxious, not to let these things get to us. If you're going to be an effective Christian, I'm saying to you, we need some audacious Christians. We need some that are trusting God so much that they're not fearing what man can do to them or what man's going to think about their lives. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You see, that's part of what we're anchored in. We do need to be anchored in God's word, but it needs to apply and we need to live it. We need to be audacious. We need to be brave because we've got God. And there's absolutely nothing this this world can do to us. We find that, as a matter of illustration, the Prussian king, Frederick the Great, he was known for being an agnostic. You know, somebody that won't commit to anything, won't say there is a God, there's not a God. But in contrast, one of his great generals, General von Zeeland, he was a, uh, a very trusted officer of Frederick the Great, but he was unashamedly a very devout Christian. He had a very strong faith. And the king was having a great uh, festive gathering at one point, and the king began to make a lot of crude jokes about Christianity, about Christ, and he had the whole place just rocking with laughter. General von Zeeland, he sat there as long as he could, and finally, this is the king. And he rose up in front of the king and he addressed the king and he wasn't disrespectful, but here's the words I quote. He says, Sire, you know, I have not feared death. I have fought and won 38 battles for you. Now I'm an old man. I shall soon have to go into the presence of one greater than you. The mighty God who saved me from my sin, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you are blaspheming. I salute you, sire, as an old man who loves his Savior and is on the edge of eternity. He said the whole place went silent. Everybody was waiting to see what would happen, but the king came back. But surprisingly enough, in Frederick the Great, it was his voice that was trembling. And it said that he came back and said, General von Zeeland, I beg your pardon. I beg your pardon. And everybody split up and went their own ways. You see, that's just an illustration of audaciousness, of being brave. Sometimes we just, we just need to take a stand in this world for the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes it may be in front of people that we would have reason to fear because of their power or position or authority that they hold. But we don't need to fear men. And we don't need to be nasty, but we can stand firm. If we're anchored in the truth, then we need to be brave enough to stand up and to be counted.
Ralph Waldo Emerson, the great writer and poet. Now, Ralph Waldo Emerson was a pretty messed up guy spiritually. His dad was a Unitarian pastor, and so there were some serious problems there. But, you know, later in life, he went off on his own philosophies and got into all the uh, transcendental meditation and all these things and whatnot. But he's recognized for uh, some beautiful poetry and stuff that uh, has lasted through the years. And here's a comment that he made, which I thought was pretty pertinent. He said, whatever you do, you need courage. Whatever course you decide upon, there is always someone to tell you that you're wrong. There are always difficulties arising that tempt you to believe your critics are right. To map out a course of action and follow it to an end requires some of the same courage that a soldier needs on the battlefield. Peace has its victories, but it takes brave men and women to win them. I'm saying that do we want Christian lives that are going to make a difference, that are going to be effective rather than just, just being Christians and getting through and going to heaven one day? And I believe that if we're going to do that, that Paul is saying just as he did to this church here to us today, he said you need to be alert. You need to be anchored. And you need to be audacious. You need to be willing just to stand up and be counted and not be afraid of what men will say or do to you. But then he says something else. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit you like men. And then the next two words says, be strong. Be strong. Guess what that means? Guess what it says? Be strong. You know, we don't have to go. We don't have to figure it out. You go back, you look it up in the Greek, you can figure it out in all the English dictionaries. It means to be strong. We find that I simply think that he's saying to us here that, you know, so many times for a person to be effective, they've got to have the strength to do that. They've got to be, sometimes we use the term being able-bodied. Well, we not only need to be alert, we not only need to, to be anchored and to be audacious, but we need to be able. We need to be able-bodied Christians, strong in the Lord, willing to grow stronger. Now, he's not talking about somebody to be the next Mr. Universe or the next Incredible Hulk or whoever that, that's got all these vast physical muscles and whatnot. We know that he's talking about a spiritual strength here. We're being directly directed that, look, if you want to make a difference, if you want to be effective, you need to be spiritually strong. You need to be spiritually able. Strength doesn't just happen. We find that, you know, you're not just going to become physically stronger because you decide to one day, but you never do anything about it. Uh, it takes exercise. It takes work. Uh, and the same thing applies spiritually. We've got a clear directive here to be strong. Are all Christians strong? Well, sadly, no. And often it's all too clear uh, when we see the lives, and that's not being judgmental. It's just a simple fact that so many times Christians waver under the pressure. Uh, when, when the uh, things come against them, rather than having the strength uh, to be able to, to, to stand for the Lord, uh, they, they crumble away. How does a Christian become strong? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. We're given a similar directive as he's writing to the church at Ephesus. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power 
of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know that when we started the conference that will be coming up in a few weeks, all those years ago, that that was exactly, it's this passage of Scripture that was the basis of that whole thing. The idea was to help our young people be stronger, to help them be strong in the Lord. And we use this passage from verse 10 to verse 20 as the overall theme because he goes on. He tells us directly, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You see, that bravery goes right along with the strength. And we could spend a lot of times on this passage, but can I put it in a nutshell for you? How are you going to be able? You know, it's not through, you don't have to go and join the most expensive uh, gym in town. Uh, you don't have to go to the most expensive church in town either. Uh, matter of fact, what uh, you've got to do is some of the very simple, basic things in our Christian life. Everything that we've just read here, and we've gone through that passage before uh, more than once, everything that we're looking there is anchored in God's Word and our prayers. It is in our relationship with Him. We're not fighting a physical battle. We're fighting a spiritual war. And there will be plenty of things to come your way this year. There is no question about that. We talked about that this morning. There's all kind of reasons. You can't trust the world. You can't trust your own flesh. You certainly can't trust the cunningness of Satan that will come as, a, as an angel of light himself. The truth is, there is a battle. But you don't have to be afraid. You see, if we're going to be effective Christians... We need to be alert. It's one thing to know that you can't trust the world and that you're playing with dynamite with, you know, the simple thing, you can't play with fire and not get burned. When you go out there messing around with that sin, you're playing with fire. You're playing with dynamite. You're asking for trouble. You stay away from it. When you begin to trust your flesh and think that it can't be you, we looked at where even, even the co-workers of Paul had to struggle with the fact that, you know, one minute he's with him and he's sending greeting, and the next thing he's forsaken him because he loved the world too much. We looked at that great battle that Paul had with his own flesh. Folks, we need to be aware of what's going on. Be alert. But as we're alert, we need to be anchored. 
We need to be anchored to the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Word of God. I said this morning, you know, if you just believe it because I said it, then you don't have very good grounds to stand on. Uh, if you believe in it because any man said it or some book said it, you don't have very good grounds to stand upon. But if you believe it because God said it, then nothing will move you from that. That's what you need to be anchored in. You need to be anchored. You need to be audacious. You need to stand up and, and realize that you don't have anything to be afraid of. Why do you have to worry about what men can say or do to you when you've got God with you? And he's promised he's always there with you. He's promised that you're going to be like him in this world. You need to be able. You need to be strong. You need to put on the whole armor of God, and that's going to take sacrificing some time on your knees and spending time in God's Word. Folks, it's just that simple. It's not going to happen by itself. We're not going to be strong Christians if we don't spend the time that we need to spend in order to get that strength. And that's the only place that we're going to get that spiritual strength from. True strength is the strength of the Lord. And, of course, that only comes to those that truly know him. John chapter 1, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Oh, I could say a lot, but to be an effective Christian, if you want to make a difference, if you want to do more than just coast through another year with a, with a Christian life that God loves you and you're going to heaven, but if you really want to be effective, you need to be alert, be anchored, be audacious, be able. And one more thing I want to give you this evening. You need to be affectionate. You need to be affectionate. He says in verse 14, let all your things be done with what? With charity. Let all your things be done with charity. Let all your things be done with agape. That agape love that we've talked about so much, so many times. You need, that's why that you know, sometimes people say, well, why is it translated charity? Because love can be used for so many things. I don't believe it's a coincidence or an accident. You know, the kind of love that we're talking about, that agape love, it's that love that is a giving love. It's that love that is a, a sacrificial love. It's that love that is a benevolent love. It's a love that it dawned on me lately, and maybe some people are smart and they'd figured this out a long time ago. I like to think of that agape love as a 316 love. For God so loved, for God so agape. Agapeo is used there because it's past tense. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he says, Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Hereby perceive we the love, that agape love. This is how we see it. This is how we see it. We know it because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to be willing to do the same. We've, we've talked about that in, in, in times gone past. You see, everything that we do is to be done with love. And the simple truth is, is that we can get bent out of shape over all kinds of things and and not show that love very much. What is agape love all about? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, have not agape, I become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal, just making a bunch of noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, agape, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. That's the agape love. Do we want to be effective Christians? We need to be affectionate. We can do all these things. I mean, wow, the list. We can do all these things with the greatest of sincerity, but folks, if we don't love like God loved us, then it's all for nothing. The first priority is and always will be to be a Christian. Jesus said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. He didn't say you got to come religious and you got to start doing this and you got to stop doing that and you got to get these things in order. He said, ye must be born again. If you're here, I don't care what you know. I don't care what your intentions. I don't care how good you are or how bad you are. May I say to you that above everything else in this world, number one priority, you must be born again. Don't hope it. Don't think it. Don't guess it. If you know anything, if you take and, 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 and just pinch yourself right now, can you feel that? And, 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 and does it hurt? And, you know, are, are you real? Well, you need to know just as sure as you feel that pain. If you dig those fingernails in, you need to know just as sure as you're sitting there and you're breathing, you need to know that you've been born again. And you need to know that with certainty before you leave this place tonight because we're not promised tomorrow. And nothing we do, everything else we talk about, everything else we learn, everything else we look at, 
until we make that step of faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, until we cry, cry out to God personally for mercy because of what Jesus did for us, not because of what we're going to stop doing, not because of what we're going to start doing, not because of the life that we're going to live, but because Jesus did it all for us. We can only cry out for mercy. For by grace are you saved through faith. God's grace, the fact that God is, you don't deserve what God is giving to you. God is, is giving you eternal life. But there's only one. You know, God's grace is so big, we got nothing to measure it with. We got no way to explain it. It's incomprehensible. But as big as it is and as wonderful it is, there's only one pathway, only one door, only one way to get to it. That's called faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. God will save you. What do you have to do? You have to believe. You have to trust him. Believe that he's done it all. Believe that he's done it all for you. If you're a Christian, you're going to heaven. And boy, that's, that's something to praise God about. You're going one way or the other. <laughs> but what about the remaining time that you have here on earth? Are you going to be just a Christian going to heaven one day that can't get any more saved no matter what you do and just take advantage of that? But what I want to ask you this evening, as we go into a new year, would you like to be an effective Christian? Would you like to be more than just a Christian? Would you like to be an effective Christian? And can I ask you, what about Bethel Free Baptist Church? You see, are we going to just be a church? You know, Corinth was a church, and boy, they weren't being very effective in all the problems and the difficulties and the things they had going on, but Paul helped them spiritually to straighten those things up, but then he says, okay, now church, if you want to be effective, you need to be alert, be anchored, be audacious, be able. You need to be affectionate. Are we going to be just another church that maybe, maybe we teach and know all the right things, we've got all the right practices, we're just coasting along till the Lord comes. We're surviving when others are falling. What I'm asking you, are we going to be an effective church? Are we going to be a church that makes a difference? The devil will try to stop us every way that he can, and I promise you this, he'll attack you, he'll attack me, he'll try to divide, he'll try to destroy and I've told you, you get discouraged and I get discouraged. And that's what last week was all about, about getting encouraged. We can get our encouragement in the Lord, but what are we going to do with our Christian lives? What are we going to do with all these, these doctrines and truths and great practices and things that we have? And I said this morning, no church will be effective without its members being effective. A church is people that are banded together. The only way you can have an effective church it's because it's made up of effective Christians. You see, life is great. And if you're here this evening and you don't have Jesus Christ, you need to, you need to come and see him this evening. You need to, to let us take the word of God and introduce you to the one that loved you so much that he died for you, that he did everything that was needed for you to have your sins forgiven. And boy, that's the greatest day of your life. But something else here this evening, folks. God will love you, and I'll love you. Hopefully everybody else here will love you. 
But do you want to just spend another year just being a Christian, going to heaven one day and looking for that day? Do you want to be an effective Christian? Do we want to spend a year just coasting along as a church that maybe is doing a lot of good things and right things? Or do we want to be an effective church that's accomplishing the work that God wants to accomplish? It's your choice. It's not mine. It's not the person sitting beside you. The only way we'll be effective is when you're effective and I'm effective and we're all effective together. Be alert. Truly watch for his coming. Watch for the carnality around us and within that we have to deal with. Watch for the cunningness of the devil. Be alert. Be anchored. Stand fast in the faith. Persevere, persist. You're standing in the faith that's been once for all delivered to the saints. Be firmly planted there. Stand upon that, no matter what man may say. Be audacious. Throw away those fears. Fear not. Be brave. Show your courage. Yes, maybe there are things that might be frightening that could be fearful, but we can be brave and charge right on because we're with him and he's with us. And we don't have to be afraid of what man could do to us. Be alert. Be anchored. Be audacious. Be able. Be strong in the Lord. Determined not to just go through being a Christian that's surviving, that's just getting by, but determined to be a strong, able-bodied Christian, one that God can use. It's got on the whole armor. It's there that you don't have to fear anything that the devil throws at you because you've got all the protection that you need, and you've got the sword that'll make the difference. That's why we call it the Sword of the Spirit Conference. The sword of the Spirit, the Bible says, which is the Word of God. Be affectionate. Be affectionate. Let everything you do be done with that 316 love, that agape love, that sacrificial, giving, benevolent love that we have described to us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You see, you don't have to be any other Christian. You don't have to be what anybody else is. You don't have to go off to the university of this or that or the other unless God sends you, then you better go. You don't have to do all those things to be an effective Christian. You just have to do what God says. You just have to apply these directives. Let God do with you what he can really do with you. I don't think there's a one of us here that can even begin to understand what God can do with you, with your life that's fully surrendered to him. My simple message, and I, you know, I guess when I sat down to prepare my sermons this week, I'd planned on going back to our series, but God wouldn't let me. And I don't know who it's for. I know it's for me. Because, I, you know, I don't want to just be a Christian the rest of this year. I don't want to just be a pastor. I don't want to just be a church member. I want to be an effective Christian, an effective pastor. I want us to be an effective church. I don't want us just to exist. I want God to make a difference. And the only way that's going to happen, we can't just sit back and come along on Sundays and wait for it to happen by itself. It won't happen. But it begins with individuals that will say, yes, wow. You know, I'm privileged. I've got a great God. 
these are things that I can do in my life. These are things where God can take my life and really do something with it. And that's your choice this evening. You know, we're not going to stop you from going to heaven. We're not going to make you a second-rate Christian. You're either a Christian, you're not a Christian, but you're going to take that Christianity and you're going to make it an effective Christianity that the Lord really does something with. Father, we thank you again this evening. Lord, I pray that you would take these thoughts, and I know, Lord, that I've tried to rush through some things and jumble over some things, but these simple thoughts, Lord, this is this was how that the Apostle Paul, through your leadership, wrapped it all up in this church after everything that had been taught and all the things that had been done. Lord, in the end, there were some things that imperatively that they needed to do. I just pray, Lord, that you'd help us to this evening to take these words to heart and to realize and to understand this is something that we can all do. We don't have to have somebody else's position or power or education or anything else. We just need to belong to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us as Christians and as a church. Lord, thank you that we can be called a Christian. Thank you for our church here. But help us to be more. Help us to be effective Christians. Help us to be an effective church in your hands. We give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.